I'm Jamie. And I'm Nikisha, and this is Talking Horror with Jamie. And Nikisha. Where we share our love for spooky things and talk horror through the lens of human behavior. Welcome, everyone. Welcome. And we cordially invite you to sit at our (laughs) table as we discuss the 2022 American black comedy horror film, the menu. Welcome to Hawthorne. I'm Julian Slowick, and tonight it'll be our pleasure to feed you. The curtain rises. Over the next few hours, you will ingest fat, salt, sugar, protein, bacteria, fungi, various plants and animals, and at times entire ecosystems. But I have to beg of you one thing. It's just one. Do not eat. Taste. Savor. Relish. Consider every morsel that you place inside your mouth. Be mindful, but do not eat. Our menu is too precious for that. I don't know why it's in a scary way, but the menu. (laughs) Good. (laughs) So this movie was directed by Mark Malloyd and written by Seth Rice and Will Tracy. And it's based on an original story created by Will Tracy. And it features an ensemble cast with he who shall not be named. So they call him (laughs) Chef Ray Fiennes. And (laughs) with his beautiful assistant, Hung Chow. And it stars... The dining guests, just to name a few, our favorite Anya Taylor-Joy, Nicholas Holt, Janik McTeer, Reed Burney, Judith Light, and John Leguizamo. Yay. Two I'm food always, for the win. <laughs> I'm always, oh yes, I'm always delighted when he's in a movie. He was also in Violent Night this, this uh, last year. Oh, um, oh he, yeah. He just adds a different layer to the movie, uh, especially after, oh, did you watch it with us, Nikisha? Um, the, uh... Uh, his his um his Broadway show that they filmed. Why can't I think of it? No. They, um, so good. If you haven't watched it, I'll I'll look it up. Sorry, that was yes, a yes, 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 yes. Back to the menu. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, we can always stop for John. I mean, it's it's necessary. He <laughs> is that guy, and a delight to see him, as well as some other people that I've seen in other things in in this movie. So it was really nice to have this kind of ensemble for mm. this particular type of movie, which we'll get into in, in Likes and Gripes. So obviously heavy spoilers for the menu. If you haven't watched it, y'all, it's streaming on HBO. So go get that handled and then come back and listen to us talk about it. And Jamie, <laughs> I'm sure there are so many trigger warnings, so please get started. Yeah, I mean, just like a generally upsetting uh, theme. <laughs> I would say overall, thematically, just like, you know, distasteful and unpleasant. Distasteful. (laughs) That's funny. Mm. The menu. Um, (laughs) 
<laughs> coming in hot with the jokes. Yes. Um, <laughs> uh, I mean, there, there are certainly insides on the outsides. There are, uh, you know, people being maimed and attacked. Um, there mm. are, uh, images of suicide and self-harm, um, many of them. Um, there are people on fire, a la <laughs> s'mores. <laughs> yes. A la mode. A yes. la mode. <laughs> yeah, people a la mode is not a dish that I would like to order at a restaurant. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um <laughs> Did I miss anything? It's it's a lot of insides on the outside. Yeah. No, I think I think that's yeah. a good amount of, of infidelity. Things. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Lots lots of I things. Don't, I don't know. Uh, abuse, mm-hmm. sexual abuse, um, conversations, yes. things. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Grant, well, a lot of things to absolutely get into with the menu, but before we get into everything, producer Brian, do you want to tell us some things? I would always like to tell some things. Um, <laughs> we uh, are on YouTube. Hi, everybody. Hi. Um, but, uh, yeah, you can find us wherever uh, you find things. Uh, we're there, uh, especially on social media, at Talk Horror Pod. We are on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. We're having a ton of fun on TikTok. Um, we are doing some supplemental reviews and some fun videos there, so check all the horror content out there as well. Um Back to you, Nikisha. Beautiful. (laughs) (laughs) So before we get into everything that is the menu, have you guys watched anything new this week? Any trailers? I feel like 2023 dropped and everyone was like, horror trailers, 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 trailers and movies. So is there anything that you guys have uh, watched this week? Um, a couple things. I finally finished The Pale Blue Eye. And if you follow us on TikTok, you can see my full review there. Um, but I was um, pretty disappointed by it. I know mm. if you listen to one of our previous episodes, I only watched the first half when we recorded it. And I was really into the first half. I was very, very disappointed by the second half. And I'm going to um, I'm going to does anyone mind if I uh, uh, release some spoilers for The Pale Blue Eye here? Go ahead. Mm-mm. No. OK, so just spoilers for The Pale Blue Eye. In the end, it turned out that the murderer was actually the Christian Bale character. And um, and his motivations were that his daughter was raped by some of the cadets. And he wanted to get revenge on them. And to be totally honest, I was so over that being kind of the motivation, the like revenge type of thing. The mm. performances were excellent in it. Don't get me wrong. And I liked the, the you know, I didn't, I didn't read the book, the novel that it's based on. And I'm sure that was sharper and had more commentary and was a little bit more insightful. But I was just so disgusted and over just like rape as like the justification for like these stories and whatnot. Mm -hmm. Like I would just was like, this is not the movie that I wanted, nor was this the movie I signed up for, nor was this the Mm -hmm. movie that was presented to me. The twist felt just like, well, this is what happens in the early, you know, the late 1800 or whatever it is. I was just like, I was just very much over it. Um, It really bothered me, but 
if the story was told in a more refined fashion, um, I just thought the second half of the ep- the movie was just poorly edited. It was convoluted. Mm. There were still 20 minutes left of the movie once they saw they thought they solved the crime. And it was like, okay, I know another twist is coming because there's 20 minutes left of this movie. Yeah. And maybe that's the bad thing about streaming it because I could see the runtime on it as opposed to seeing it in movie hmm. theaters where like maybe I think Good that point. the movie's coming to a close. But I really don't – didn't enjoy this. Um, I thought the first half was gorgeous and the gothic aspects of it were wonderful. And it was this, it was this weird occult murder mystery with an, with excellent performances and Edgar Allan Poe in it. And then it just like became the same old revenge rape plot lines that I'm just like over and sick of that just like Mm -hmm. didn't add anything new to that genre. It was just there for the twist. And like, Mm -hmm. I really didn't care at all. So that was unfortunate about that. Um, but on the flip side of things, I we saw. Well, I think we mentioned previously we saw the trailer for Missing. Um, mm-hmm. That's going to be kind of like a spiritual sequel to um, Searching. Yeah. Uh, but I didn't realize that it was coming out so soon. By the time you're listening to us, it's already out. Uh, so I, I'm really excited to watch that one. I don't Same. know if we'll get to see it in movie theaters, but like um, I didn't know it was coming out so soon. How how delightful! Yes. Mm-hmm. Well, speaking of trailers, I finally got the opportunity to uh, watch the Evil Dead, the new Evil Dead trailer. Cool. And I'm just so excited about our watch through of the whole thing because I feel like this is going to be right up my alley of the kind of horror that I just need in my life. And I'm just super, super excited for all things Evil Dead. So we're ready to get into it. Oh, I'm <laughs> really excited for you to watch all of those. Oh, yeah. I'm very curious to see what you'll think of, like, the original trilogy and then, like, the new, more contemporary ones that have been coming out. Yeah. Um, Because I'm a fan of all of it. Plus, there's a whole TV series that got canceled. Mm. Um, So there's not – you don't have to watch the show. It's okay. Okay. But but (laughs) listeners out there who have watched the show, I appreciate you. It's it's Um, a fun time. So just so you know, listeners, um, as the producer, I have to tell you this. Uh, <laughs> later this year, we will be doing all of the Evil Dead movies. Evil, the Evil Dead, Evil Dead 2, Army of Darkness, Evil Dead 2013, and then Evil Dead Rise. Um, so we're doing all of those so Nikisha can catch up before we watch Evil Dead Rise. Yes. I'm very excited for that, especially to see what you react to positively and what isn't for you. Because I feel like while these all feel the same, like they truly feel a part of one. It's pretty incredible. They're Mm. all different in tone. And I'm very excited to see what you are attracted to. Nice. What year, do y'all know the year the first one came out? 81. Oh, okay. The second one is 87. The third Mm. one is 92. And then Mm. 2013. And then, you know, 2023. Okay. I guess I didn't realize how that it was an 80s movie. I don't know why I thought it was late 90s, but even more fantastic. Here for it. Ready for the journey with you guys. It's going to be a good time. So you guys make sure that you listen when those episodes drop. But now, let's. do you have any other things that you have watched, guys? Are we good? Jimmy, did we watch anything else? I don't think so. Oh, sick. But you've heard that episode at this point. Yes. Mm. Everybody's mm. thoughts on that, on that yes. one. Beautiful. Well, let's get into everything that is the menu, guys, because it's a lot to cover. There was like 80 million courses, and we got to get through all mm-hmm. of them. I know. <laughs> well, Nikisha, can you hold on just one second? Yes. Excuse me. Talk amongst yourself. I'll be right back. This can stay in the episode. It's totally fine. 
Oh, oh I don't. <laughs> I don't know what's about to happen. I don't. And I don't either. know if I like. <laughs> Is he gonna get some, an apron? It's there's a- some rustling happening <laughs> behind the scenes. Uh, he's not on camera, so right, we don't know what yet. he's doing. So we're all on this journey together. I oh knew boy. It. <laughs> oh, oh man, Chef Brian is here. <laughs> Chef producer Brian here. <laughs> uh, for those of you listening, uh, I would highly suggest checking out the uh, YouTube uh, channel right now. I'm in my uh, chef gear, my chef outfit. I have a hat, but my hair looked good today, so I'm not going to put that hat on. <laughs> yes, Chef. <laughs> yes, Chef. Uh, Multi hyphen, Chef and producer. Okay, Brian, but where did you get? this from uh i think i bought this on amazon for a halloween costume what was a halloween costume uh this was no it was a cosplay that we were gonna do oh that's right i Mm. bought this to do an everything everywhere all at once cosplay for um for uh uh comic-con Yes. Mm-hmm. You're okay. going to be Raccoonie. Raccoonie or whatever Racco- it is. Yeah. Raccoonie and uh, the chef. And the chef. And then it never worked out. But <clears throat> I still have it and I love it. I mean, this is absolutely perfect content. So now you need to do I some know. TikToks with this as well on. 100%. <laughs> I, oh, I sh- oh, my God, Nikisha. You should have done I your menu TikTok in this. <laughs> Oh, I'm so oh, mad. I have to refilm. I'm going to have to do a remake of it. I was going to say, oh, take man. it down and, and do it again with that. <laughs> but it did so well. It did so well. Yeah, I can't don't, don't, oh, don't okay, do okay, that. Okay, don't okay, do okay, that. Okay, All right, cool, cool, cool. We'll leave it. <laughs> next time, next anyway. time. Anyway. Oh, man. <laughs> Beautiful. Well, let's get into Ooh. it, and we need a two-minute plot summary of the menu. So, who's it going to be? What's the plot? <laughs> I feel um, like I, I am owed... One. I, I think like you do. I think you do. I'll do my best. Okay. Two minute plot summary for the menu in three. I open the calculator. I'm an idiot. In three. <laughs> <laughs> in three, two, one, gar- go. I don't, I said, I don't Can you restart that? What did you say? Gar? I said, I said gar. go and start. Did you say go in Australian? Gar. I, said gar. 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 I said go and start at the same time. What, what awful, 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 awful. All right. I got to redo. I got to redo. Okay. Three, that was perfect. two, one, Ooh. start. Okay, so we have Anya Taylor-Joy and Nicholas Holt, our guests traveling by boat to this exclusive restaurant owned by this celebrity chef, Julian Slowick. Um, A bunch of other exclusive guests are on are on this boat that they're going to the restaurant too. There's a food critic and her editor. Um, there's this couple who are regulars, a movie star and his assistant, and then a group of business partners that are attending the hotel. Um, they're given a tour by, um, Elsa, who is his, like the, the chef's main assistant. Um, and then they're, you know, in for their meal. Um, all the courses are like really elaborate, but there's these monologues that the chef is giving and they get, you know, more and more disturbing as time goes on. Um, and then, shit hits the fan uh and one of the shoe the one of the shoe one of the sous chefs kills himself in front of the guests one as minute. one of the meals um and the 
the older couple tr- tries to run away, but they cut off his finger. Um, then we learn that the investor um, is is a doobie head, and so the chef kills him, and everyone has to watch. Um, then uh, one of the courses, uh, a, a, another sous seconds. chef who was sexually harassed by him, um, stabs him, and, the, and all the men have a chance to escape, and all the women stay together and, and bond. Um, then things continue to escalate because Anya Taylor Joy's character isn't actually supposed to be there, and the chef is trying to see like, what side are you on? Are you on our side or their side? Um, and then she like kind of escapes, and then tries to call for help, and it doesn't work out. And yeah. then everyone becomes really into it, and then she escapes, and then uh, s'mores. <laughs> And then s'mores. <laughs> I panicked. I panicked. Yeah. Right. Perhaps maybe watch right. the movie and don't take your <laughs> word for it. <laughs> and that's the plot. <laughs> that was terrible. There's so much. There's so much that's happening in this. It's very hard to summarize. I have figured in, in out, two minutes. I figured out our pro- plot problem. We and I and, and too this much is because, setup because well yeah that's true but I also do this there's so much to each movie and like I forgot to just tell the plot of the movie like you know what I mean like yeah. but I will say that like my question for you is a lot of people listen to the plot summary on this podcast because they don't like horror movies they don't watch horror movies before we even get into likes and gripes what percent of this do you think is horror movie? We, we talked mm. about this question with um, the Northman as well. Like mm-hmm. what percent of this is horror movie? Like, cause I feel like people are turned off by the term horror movie sometimes, but I know people specifically mm. who watch this movie thinking it, either a was just a pure horror movie and they weren't interested in watching it and then did. And were like, Oh wow, I enjoyed this more than I thought I would. Or mm-hmm. B watched it thinking it was just some like movie about a fancy restaurant and like a drama and then Mm. get the horror out of it and like didn't even realize it was a full horror movie for you what percent of this is horror for our listeners who have not potentially watched it um and do want to check it out on hbo max well of course this is all subjective because we are horror people so i would say that for me the percentages was uh, 70, 30, 30% on the horror. Uh, and this is what I talk about in my likes and gripes. I wanted like a little bit more <laughs> of horror things. So I think that you get a good amount as I would equate this as to like an action thriller and the deaths mm. and things that you would get in that, but it's not the sole purpose or the sole basis of it. But for me, it's 70, 30. <clears throat> Jamie. You, Jamie. That's I feel like that is such a that's such a good question because in my in my subjective opinion um I feel like the whole thing is horror because the intention is to elicit not only fear which there are some moments of fear mm-hmm. but also like disgust and and uh, like feeling uncomfortable and rejecting something that's also in my opinion, horror. And so like this whole movie, I feel like there's it's a it's a horror comedy uh, and a black comedy, but I feel like the whole thing is horror because the whole thing is making you uncomfortable, like mm. reflecting on the impact of this industry and how it's affected this chef, how like just the the class of it all and like scrutinizing, you know, the people who are there and the things that they've done. Um, all of that makes me uncomfortable. And so like all of it for me 
reflects as horror, but it's not a slasher horror. It's not like, I think you have to think about it in terms of genre. Mm. And so I think you can say like, it is horror, at least for me, it's horror, but there's also black comedy elements. There's also like, it's not, it's like, this isn't a slasher. This isn't body horror. Um, Mm. I think you can like explain it that way to give more context. But for me, it's a hundred percent. Yeah. Sure. What about you, That's a good answer. Um, I, I tend to side with Jamie. Mm. Um, I think that was a really good description of it. Um, I think that for me, I'm of the opinion that anything is a horror movie if it scares you. Um, if you're watching, um, Sophie's choice and you're very deeply affected by the Holocaust, Schindler's List, like those can be considered horror movies if they're affecting Mm -hmm. you, you know what I mean? Um, but obviously then there are ones that are specifically designed like smile, like Jamie had mentioned slashers in general, like those are horror movies, but, but we can more easily define those as horror movies. So to me, this one is anywhere from 50% to a hundred percent a horror movie. Um, Mm. for me, this is probably like 90 to a hundred percent a horror movie. Mm. Um, because of what the intent behind it is. Uh, but like, if somebody came to me and said like, this just felt like a thriller that like had horrifying moments, I'd be like, yeah, absolutely. Totally. Super cool. I love it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. and then I would say, yes, chef. <laughs> <laughs> also as somebody Goodness. who's worked in the restaurant industry for a long time, like, like a, a lot of, a lot of uh, movies or TV shows that take place in and around restaurants just give me a lot of anxiety in general. And this Mm -hmm. one is like clearly trying to be horrifying in some places. And thematically, I think it's horrifying. Plus just to remind our listeners, the director of this movie also directed a ton of succession episodes. Mm. Therefore, this is like the, the, what it's trying to say and do in is to me very similar to what the, um, if you watch Succession as a satire, as a black comedy, exactly what this movie is trying to do in a very different way. Because I feel like, yeah. and, and maybe I'm getting too much into likes and gripes, but I just wanted to preface this before Nikisha passes it to likes and gripes mm-hmm. with the fact that the, the, the things like Succession and this, I feel like the point of entry, and I have another question for you, the point of entry is elevated. The point of entry, you think like you're watching this movie about like, rich people at a restaurant or with succession, you feel like you're watching a, a, a TV show about these like selfish, um, you know, uh, 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 rich people who own businesses and you can't really get into it and you can't empathize with them. And the same thing with this movie, my conversation with that is that's not the point. The point of this and that are that you are supposed to not empathize with these people. There's supposed to be some enjoyment in watching the 1% be idiots and like be like murdered and killed or be presented with these awful situations that make you laugh because you're laughing at them, make you uncomfortable because you would never be in a situation like that with that amount of money and stuff like that. Like, Mm -hmm. like, and, and I think that some people like, this is too elevated. It's just like stupid. Like, like to me, this is not an elevated horror movie. This is, just like that restaurant this is presented marketing wise as an elevated thing but when it comes down to it it's just a straightforward like 
like horror satire, especially because the point of view that we're coming into from this movie is the one person that's not supposed to be there. That's the whole point of this, that we're mm-hmm. watching all of this 1% around us with all of their like rich people problems um, like that are that that outside of their bubble are actually really horrible things um, mm-hmm. like. Like, like we're watching it from that perspective. So I'm not supposed to empathize with these people. If anything, I empathize with the chef a little bit more. Yeah, chef. But like, I just, I, that, that just, I just wanted to like do that. Cause I've seen a lot of conversation online about that. And that's not how I see this movie at all. Um, back to you, Nikisha. Yeah. Okay. Well, <laughs> no, that's all great. On that note, likes and gripes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, <Nikisha. laughs> And now our likes and gripes. Let's get into it. Um, I am glad that Brian, you were already bringing up some great points about the tone of the movie. So I just want to piggyback off of that. And I think out of a lot of movies that I've seen in a long time, I think that this is a perfect balance of tone as far as uh, dark comedy and horror. Even though I said at the beginning I would have liked a little bit more gore, like in layman's terms of like what horror is and what you expect when you hear the word horror, I wanted just a little bit more of that. And I think that's probably my only real gripe that I have with this movie. But I also want to preface in saying that with this podcast now, I watch movies differently and so tell me more. Yes. And so I'm always trying to think of questions to ask uh, Jamie. And so my mind immediately is always spinning on the mental health aspect. And Mm. with that, when things pop up, I'm like pressing pause or like writing notes or trying to like get my thoughts together. And so I'm not enjoying the movie as a whole cohesive moment. Mm. Uh, especially with streaming stuff. Like if I'm in a movie theater, like of course I have to sit and watch the whole thing. And, but then I'm just like sitting on the back row, like writing notes on, (laughs) you know, like (laughs) on a pin pad, just trying to make sure because I don't want to lose some of my thoughts that I have in the moment. Um, but all that to say is that uh, with this movie, I wish I was more invested in just watching it as a cohesive piece as opposed mm. to just thinking about, okay, what can I ask on this podcast that we can talk about that's, that's mental health? Because with that, it was a lot of stop and starting or me like writing notes in the middle of something and something really cool would happen that I feel like I would have taken in better if I was just watching it as a whole as opposed to, oh, let me go back and look at what happened. Does that make sense? Wait. Nikisha, have I have I ruined movie watching for you? Is no. This, <laughs> I'm going wow. to like thanks, Brian. Wait, this is the last episode. I don't want to take that away from you. <laughs> no, no, but that's I mean that's absolutely like a me thing. I need to make sure I can have my thoughts together. But I'm all, no, all I the- did this to you. No. <laughs> but all that to say is is that I feel like I would have enjoyed this movie even more if I would have just sat and let myself be immersed in the moment, which I feel like can be a lesson in life, you know, stay, stay Mm. in the present moment, you know, things aren't that serious. But with that, there was just some things that I, I, I wanted more of, uh, like the horror things. Um, but again, I think that's just like how I was watching the movie. The things that I loved about this, which was a lot, I love the title card and how it was like the production company introduces the menu 
genius. Already there, right off the bat, I'm with you. I love the cast. I've already said that before from various things, so it was really good seeing them all together in this moment, and I think it was a great combination of things. I also think that it was really nice mm-hmm. that you still have uh, horror tropes in, in this movie, like you have like the broy bros that are going to make the dumb decisions and probably die first, you know, and you have like the, the really snobby um, couples that are regulars there. And then you have like the quote unquote brunette final girl that, you know, like she's probably going to live in the whole thing. Um, and there was some really, really great, very kind of meaningful quotes in this. One of my favorite ones was when the chef said, we are but a frightened nanosecond. Nature is timeless. And I was like, whoo. That is a great quote, and oh my gosh, wow, he is going to kill everybody. This is the time. (laughs) Yes, chef. Oh, Nikija, mm -hmm. I thought of a term for when you want more gore. It's called morer. Morer, great. Morer, (laughs) please. More gore, morer. I need it in in this. Morer. Morer. Let's make that a thing. Morer. We're going to make it a thing. I more. love that. Sometimes <laughs> you just want more. hashtag more. Sometimes you just want more of the gore, so it's more. I mean, gore more, but no, more and more. More. Because you do like want more. other things other than gore. More. Yeah, cool. Yes, yes, yes. Giving me a headache. <laughs> <laughs> um, I and I do love, and we talk about this a lot: the trailer versus the final product. And I really enjoy that the trailer, like Brian mentioned earlier, you're getting exactly what you are coming in for. But I also love that it's not giving it all away. So you know that shit is going to go down, but you don't know in what capacity and if mm. it's going to be like, are we picking people off one by one? Which is, I will say I also enjoyed that it wasn't that either. It was a matter of like, we are all dying, for the most part, we are all dying at one time. And it's going to be at the end with this beautiful midsummer, we're all going to be on fire type thing, which I thoroughly uh, enjoy. So it was really nice mm. that it wasn't like, who's going to die first? Who's going to be one of the customers? That it, no, everybody is, is you know, gone. So I really love that that was the concept. And I love the tension building in this. And... I, uh, another quote that I really enjoyed was the one about student loans. <laughs> when he asked the girl, do you have, uh, he's like, did you go to college? And, or he's like, what college did you go to? And she's like, uh, Brown or whatever. And he's like, do you have student loans? And she said, no. And she's like, no student loans, you're dying. <laughs> <laughs> so super great. I love the title cards of introducing all of the dishes and what were mm-hmm. uh, in all of them. I thought that that was just a great kind Ugh. of breakaway of, of mm-hmm. setting up what's going to happen and how crazy everything got uh, um, as we continued on, I absolutely need a prequel because I want to know how the chef got to this point and how all of the other sous chefs were like, yeah, dude, this is exactly what we want to do. We're going to like all do this and then die for you. So I just would really love if that somebody can make uh, that happen. Um, but again, I will say a lot of people were raving about this movie and it was great and I had a great time watching it. And I enjoyed it. But the way that people were raving about this movie, um, at least the people that I have spoken to, made me think it was going to be kind of more on the level of like a hereditary or, or midsummer type moment. Mm-hmm. Um, and when it wasn't, it was like, oh, okay. And then not to say that that made me dislike it, but it was just something different than what I expected it to be. So mm-hmm. now after having watching it and being like, oh, this is what this is, I still had a good time, but my expectations were a little bit higher for it, just how people were talking about the movie. But all in all, I absolutely loved 
everything about it. I think it was a great lesson in the balance of having good comedy and horror and it being successful. And I think that is attributed to the cast as well because there were great performances by uh, everyone. And, you know, we love Voldemort. So there you go. I have a question for you. <laughs> yes. If you one, would you watch us a second time? And if you did watch us a second time, do you think you would enjoy it more? Because I didn't force you to take notes. <laughs> <laughs> yes and yes. I, I honestly would <clears throat> recommend it to a, a lot of people, and I would say yes. I will watch this with you because I had a a good time watching it, and I think I would have like a better time just like sitting and letting. But Brian, that is not your fault. That is how my <laughs> brain works. I'm like, okay, we have to make sure that we have a really good discussion on brain. So like, what questions can I ask Jamie? And so it's yeah. like a deep dive into the to the mental. But that's what I like about it, and that's why I like about this podcast that's why we're doing this you know because yes. we can talk about the human behavior and stuff so i just imagine a world in which we're watching uh like the next movie we're gonna watch whatever <laughs> it is and and like uh me like turning to jamie or jamie turning to me while watching like you, you think nikisha's enjoying this uh because, uh, <laughs> uh because she has to take notes during the six times <laughs> No, truly, just because I know I'll forget something and I'll be mad. Yeah, yeah. I'll be like, oh, that was a great question and I forgot it in the moment. So I have to like pause and make sure I, I write it down. Totally. But totally. I really enjoyed this movie. It's all good. <laughs> Jamie, do you want to go? <laughs> yeah, I I agree with a lot of what you said. I also, I, I feel like I feel similarly um, of like, there was so much hype for it and I enjoyed this movie, but I don't think I enjoyed it as much as like Brian did. He was like mm. eating it up. Ah, see, I'm still funny next yes. to me while we were watching it. Um, and I, but I still like, I have a really fun time. Um, the, the performances were all like really excellent. It was interesting to see like where it was all going to go. Um, I also was like reflecting on my own experiences dining out and like, I've never been, I've never worked in the food service industry and I've never been to like a, a very, um, expensive or exclusive restaurant, like anything related to this. Mm. Um, so for me, I also was like trying to it's, I mean, I think it's also hard to have empathy for characters who are all really awful and, and hard to empathize with. And you're like, oh, I want them all to die. But it's mm -hmm. also hard, I think, to like empathize with even this kind of setting if you just like there, there where there isn't that any of that connection to it. So like I, I don't I feel like disconnected from like this whole <laughs> class conversation, but also from the food service industry, like connection mm. that I I'm learning that people have had. And, and so like, I feel like as someone who felt disconnected from a lot of the threads that, that existed within the movie, it was still like enjoyable, but like, I don't know, there, there was just something missing for me that I can't even name or articulate. And then it might just be based on like experientially something that I haven't experienced. And so like, it's harder to, it's harder. Like my, my gripe is, it's something that they address in the movie, but I still have a hard time like buying into how they are all bought into it at the end. So mm -hmm. like the idea that nobody tries to escape for most of it and they're, they're like, you know, what does it mean for somebody to like be taking this experience in and not fight back? And then at the end for them to like actually be bought into, you know, the the meaning behind what the chef is doing and the fact that like they all have to die. And I, 
just have a really hard time as somebody who works with people who like, you know, the whole, my whole like passion and business model is all about like helping people live and thrive. I'm like, Mm -hmm. I don't, I have a hard time. Like what, what is it about his message that like resonated with people at the end where they, where the guests themselves are like, yes, chef. And, and they have two joined with like, it's not just about sides anymore. They're all joined in together. So like that, there's something where like, and, and I don't know if maybe when like Brian gets into his likes and gripes or when we kind of talk about like the, the brains of it all, but like, yeah. that's, that was a really challenging part for me to like kind of sit with and, and walk away. Okay. With this, because like, I just, I feel like that takes me out in terms of like what people would do in that situation, especially these type of people who like were already getting that they are, you know, at this like higher echelon of class that like, I just don't like, I don't think that they are perceiving things in that same way. Like they could still be afraid of what like Chef Slowick is, is presenting to them and like, uh, and then maybe even learn a little bit about like, why, why he's become this person, why, why this has become his mission. But I just don't see them like buying into agreeing with it all at the end and, Mm -hmm. and being complacent. And like, that's, that is my biggest gripe with this. And maybe that means that I like miss the mark, but, but that's just for me. I would still absolutely recommend this to people, especially because I'm such a huge fan of Succession. That's like one of my favorite shows that's on TV. And like this mm. very much is in the same lane. Um, but yeah, I, I feel like something something was missing for me personally, even though it was overall a very enjoyable watch. So I hope that was specific enough. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> that okay. was great. I mean, and that's, that's such a great point to you, you talking about um, being removed from the service industry and what that life is because, I mean, it doesn't take much to sympathize with a situation and when people are going through problems, like that doesn't mean you have to have the same experience, but mm-hmm. it does make sense not being a part of the world. And so what does that mean when you are not affiliated with the world and how do you take that in watching it from your own perspective? Yeah. I I mean, I think that's like the empathy question for, Mm -hmm. for everyone is like, you know, for people who struggle with empathizing with people that have different experiences or are different from them. It's like, how do you, how do you like connect on the same level when Mm -hmm. you yourself haven't had that experience? And like, for some people it's really challenging because like they don't, they, they don't share that lived experience. And so it's harder to like, you know, really put themselves in that person's shoes without any of that, you know, that they've been through themselves. Um, so like, and it's not that I don't empathize. It's, it's more of just like, like, I don't, I don't understand the, the, um, like that culture, the restaurant culture and like Mm -hmm. the, the way in which like, I, I understand like the family dynamic, but like the, (laughs) it's just like unwavering, following of this chef that that's the part I don't understand. And like, even within the complicated, like, you know, he, he was sexually harassing one of his, one of his staff members and like her still like, you know, being so dedicated to him and this craft, it's like, you know, I would understand a world where she would be so turned off by all of this and like walk away, but she didn't. And like, Mm -hmm. I'm like, I want to know more about why, like what's going on here like what it, it almost feels like a, like, I mean, 
now that I'm saying it, I'm like, uh, duh. It's like the cycle of power and violence and like, you know, how power is just so like people crave power and being around power. And, and like, you know, it, you can, you can excuse some of these things because of that. Mm -hmm. Um, and again, we don't get enough of like her character, uh, to like figure out what's going on. But like, those are things that like, I, don't have any experience with. So like, I'm, I'm very curious about like, what is that culture like where everyone is like following this person and like, whatever they say, they will, they will do, they will do it. I mean, he, even, even an outsider like Nicholas Holt's character, who's like, you know, looks up to this chef so much and he's Mm -hmm. not even a part of it, but he's like, he becomes obsessed with it and, and is so in awe of what the chef is doing that when he himself gets put into the position, he's very easily like influenced in terms of, um, when, when the chef like, you know, insults him and, and embarrasses him, but then also we're going to assume that he like orders him to kill himself, that he does it too. It's like how this influence is so powerful. Like how did we get here? So Mm -hmm. that's, it's like, I'm, I'm just like so curious about that because like, I, I, I don't fully, I can't fully understand it. And I think that's to the point of the movie too, like the absurdity of it, like the extreme nature of it, but how we're not really that far removed because you can attribute that to like Trump supporters and how someone Mm. who does something so outlandish and people are still just, yes, I will do whatever you say. I will give you my firstborn child, you know, type situation, or even just in like different kind of cults and and stuff that, you know, we've discovered throughout the years and documentaries on. But, um, and before we get to Brian, I do want to just add on to your ending point to Jamie about the customers joining in with it, because I also think that that adds to the absurdity and the satire of it all. Um, Because at first I was thinking like, why are these people just like, okay, put a marshmallow on me and put a crown of chocolate (laughs) on my head and I'm just going to sit here and chill and not fight it. I mean, of course, Mm -hmm. the whole movie, they're like, okay, we obviously know we can't escape. So like you kind of accept your fate in that way. But even still, I think that it's such, um, I I think it's a testament to the tone of the movie that at the end, everyone is just like up in an, in in an absurd way, accepting everything and saying, yes, chef. And I think that's just like, the, the the point of it like this is so outlandish and like this is you know the the ending people are, are accepting their their fate just like all these two mm-hmm. chefs have accepted you know their fate in it but brian would you like to sure. go on your chef brian chef producer brian. chef <laughs> yes um so i loved this movie if i had seen this before we did our top 10 this would have easily made cracked my top five uh no question I loved this movie. I very much understood it, like, to a deep core level for many reasons. Um, But I'm actually going to start with my gripes because that's where you all ended, just to do a little bit more of a a flow here. Um, Mm -hmm. I agree. I actually wrote on in my notes, why are they all complacent? They're not even fighting back. 
I think one of my likes, though, is that he actually brings it up. Like, he has that line. It's like, haven't you even thought about why you're, like, haven't, like, tried to escape, really? And I thought mm. that that was interesting. Um, but I do think that that just also, again, that's a part of the satire of it. I don't necessarily think that feels natural. But then again, I don't necessarily think that that's the point. The point is, is that this is satire. Um, mm-hmm. to, to address the ending, I do think that the ending isn't totally clear and believable in some ways. Uh, for, when, when it comes to all of the clientele and the actual customers in the restaurant, I do think think that there's a couple things that we can think about when you know dissecting this ending the one thing is that i think all of these people knew they deserved it i think they all accepted their fates long before they ever had a restaurant experience here um i think that they're people who nothing will satisfy them i think you have the older couple whose daughter ran away and there's also a question of whether the father sexually assaulted the daughter and that you know because you have that um that moment of seeing on the on the tortillas um you know him in the room with 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 um the anya teller joy character and asking um her to pretend to be the daughter is that just some sort of a weird sexual fantasy? Did he hire her just to pretend that his daughter was actually there? But then again, he's still, you know, doing sexual things in and around this, you know, this um, uh, this playtime, if you will. Um, so the role playing. So you have that aspect of things. You have the bros, the um, the actual bros of the finance bros who are just like, they don't care about anything. They don't care about their women. They don't care about, you know, the way they talk about them and all mm. of that. And they know that, you know, all, they're, they're, they're gross. The, the, the assistant knows that she's been cheating him. He knows that his assistant has been cheating him. Um, you know, like, like all these people in this room, you know, the, the um the critique the critic knows that she's full of shit and then the assistant knows that she's full of shit but they still put on these masks if you will um and down at their core they know who they are so i think that everyone knew they deserved it i also think there's an element of nothing will satisfy them and um you know this 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 is part of they don't care this is part of the experience it's something they paid for that their money and they don't just don't because i think the juxtaposition of the end of this movie is that anya taylor joy's margot character actually satisfies the chef whereas everyone in that room never feels like they can be satisfied now mm-hmm. i think there's a lot to think about there but i do think that everybody in that room is at a totally different level and i don't think that the movie does a good enough job if we're taking it face value at all of them saying yes chef at the end satire wise i understand that and believe that and that's why it was right. satisfying to me <laughs> but i completely agree with you that the movie doesn't do enough work to individually convert each person in that room i do mm-hmm. think that at the end when the coast guard comes in and they're all excited and then they realize that the coast guard is working for the chef and there's no way they're getting out i think that Mm -hmm. breaks all of their spirits and i think that is when they all just accept what's going to happen here because nobody has anything to live for the film bros have nothing to live for because um excuse me not the film bros i'll get into that in a second the um Mm. finance bros have nothing to live for because they have no they're financially successful but they did it all in a cheat their investor angel investor has just died outside plus they've ruined all of their relationships with the women in their lives you know um you know calling dr sunshine from the liguizamo character (laughs) like he just has he he puts so much onus on who he is as a famous person and he puts on this like humble like oh i don't want to be bothered like type of thing but like he needs people to come up to him and he doesn't have that life anymore they their daughter left like they're just like you know what 
this these tortillas reminded me of why my life is so crappy that I'm just going to buy into this experience and be satisfied of being a part of this person's final creation. And if we get mm. to the food bro, um, who is one of my favorite characters in this, the Nicholas Holt mm. character, because it reminds me of a small faction of film bros that they just buy into whatever they're seeing and just like fully obsess about it. But they see the wrong side of things. Some examples I have here are The Office. That's what she said has turned into something funny when it was originally a satire of the fact that Michael Scott doesn't understand etiquette and like office space and what how you're supposed to be. It's so inappropriate, but now it's turned into his own meme because we've all taken it, you know, to be funny. But like that wasn't its original intent. You have things like The Boys. The Boys is a scathing satire mm -hmm. of marketing in this country and the elite and how people absorb things. And people love Homelander. Like they have tattoos and like no like he's like because they buy into it and they're watching it for the wrong reasons you have things like girls yes. a pure satire of these selfish <laughs> obnoxious people I'm, I love girls girls are one of my favorite shows of all time I hate it but I watch it I watch it like this. that's horror yeah that's horror <laughs> like, but I watch it like this where I'm the characters are just uh, palatable enough for me to get through the episodes, but I recognize what the show is trying to do with them. This movie is a good example of that. The White Lotus. We all enjoy all mm. of that stuff, but really just a scathing satire of the 1% at these communities and, the, you know, and, 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 not, and these resorts. And then, and then of course, this, and spoiler, this is my suggestion at the end. American Psycho is the perfect example of this. That mm -hmm. is a scathing, scathing look at finance bros and all of that. And it is clear Clear, 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 clearly breaking all of that down. But people, like, all of a sudden, like, we love this character. We love, you know, like, the whole um, the whole um, business cards thing where, like, there's the ego mm -hmm. there. Like, I, I, I really bought into Nicholas Holt's performance in this because that is a very real thing. So let me, let me slide into my likes. I love mm -hmm. the pacing of this. I love the subtitles in terms of, like, how they're eating and the descriptive nature of the subtitles was amazing if you watch with that. The food was gorgeous, like Hannibal-level beautifully filmed. The yeah. acting was superb. The slow burn of information we got, even though Jamie and I figured it out like 10 minutes into the movie, because there's a lot of moments where at the beginning of the movie, the older couple says like, oh, we're not going to go on the tour. We're just going to go to the restaurant. We've been here before. It sets up who they are, what types of characters they've been, but also um, it separates Margot and the Nicholas Holt character from them because she clearly recognized them at the beginning. So something's going on there. And then we find out that like she, you know, someone else was supposed to be there and his ex-girlfriend blah 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 like when she's checking in all of that like we figured out that she's the one person that's not supposed to be there but like that didn't ruin our experience at all watching this but i like the slow burn of information i like how it just gets started there's exposition is told throughout the movie there's not an expo dump at the beginning realistically mm -hmm. um uh i loved the tyler cooking scene where he makes him very uncomfortable he's like like it and it feels like people online being like oh i hated your movie bro it's like well why don't you make your own movie you know what i mean like <laughs> yep. you know like that kind of stuff exactly um I loved the all the quippy lines. I loved that the characters felt like they could quote Martin Luther King Jr. in an instance like this. <laughs> you know, like, like again, satire. We take words that are meaningful to certain people and should be meaningful to all of us and, like, make it about ourselves. Um, mm -hmm. 
I love the calling Dr. Sunshine stuff. And as a restaurant person, that that movie ruined his one day off when you're working long hours. Like, mm-hmm. Nikisha, I'm sure you can relate to that. Like, your Monday's off. Like, I saw this terrible movie. Like, I kind of wasted three <laughs> hours of my only day off this week. <laughs> um, I that get was that. such a great line. Yes. I know. Um <laughs> I love the balance of hatred of the characters, but making them palatable, as I previously mentioned. And I think what separates this movie from a lot of other movies is the ending. I found this movie pretty predictable all the way through, as I previously mentioned. However, I think that her seeing that photo and then her escape plan was to satisfy him in a way that he had never been satisfied because so much of the movie's theme is love versus obsession. When does your love stop being a love and it becomes just something you are obligated to do? And her being able to like have him cook and be like, you know what? You gave me this. You're not like them. You've chosen us. Um, and like, I will let you go. And like the, and the concept around like, I'd like it to go, please that they're again, putting on this mask of like talking, Talking in restaurant terms, even though there's so much happening below the surface, absolutely love that. I also think that there's a version of this movie where because they previously mentioned that, like, if you underserve the meat, the meat will kill the bacteria and the meat will kill you. That, like, he actually killed her with that hamburger because he cooked the un. You know, the, the, the aged meat wasn't aged enough. Mm. However, Jamie sent me a TikTok um, that confirmed <laughs> that the writers and the director talked about how, like, that is not their intention at all. That was just to set up the danger of the food, like a Willy Wonka. Like, is this man dangerous? Is this man not dangerous? And that they're playing with, like, like lives within days of each other. Um, and I appreciated that totally. But I think if you, even if you watch this movie thinking that he killed her, I think it's still pretty powerful. Um, yeah. And then, of course... We need to get to the quotes. Yes. The quotes. A small bite for the last person to be caught. Chef's kiss. Yes. (laughs) I know you CC'd me on it. Chef's kiss. (laughs) All of Tyler's quotes in the kitchen. Chef's kiss. Especially when the chef goes, this is a new dicing of method of which we have been woefully ignorant. Like, just like (laughs) making fun of him. Chef's kiss. Oh, my God. But then... My my favorite line in this whole movie, which I think sums this up so perfectly, and Nikisha, you mentioned it earlier in this episode, but I'm going to actually quote it because um, I did go back and um, uh, write it down. Yes. Um, uh, the, 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 the s'mores quote. <clears throat> Unethically sourced chocolate and gelatinized sugar water imprisoned by industrial grade graham cracker. It's everything wrong with us. And yet we associate it with our innocence, with childhood, mom and dad. But what transformed this fucking monstrosity is fire. And then he starts it by saying the most offensive assault on the human palate ever contrived. Truly, (laughs) truly, truly. I love even just like the the sound editing of this with the claps with the yes. yes chef getting the bell curve of yes chef it being kind of like pretty impressive that he has this whole like chefs with him and then it kind of gets scarier and then at the end it becomes something that they do I think there's a perfect film I loved this movie even with its flaws I think its flaws make it more interesting perfect movies to me um, are not as interesting as movie with flaws that I can consider perfect um that's Truly fair. love this movie. Um, I I I cannot. I I this, I loved it. I, I'm yes chef. <laughs> yes chef. Three right. Michelin stars from this guy. Yes. <laughs> well, 
Let's get into <laughs> brains. Tasty. Question, question. What's scarier, this chef's clap or the double clap from The Conjuring? Oh, (laughs) wow. Oh, man. That's hard. Because, I mean, there's so much tension in the chef's clap. I don't know. Mm -hmm. It, like, reverberates. Yes, I was literally about to say, I think it's the sound quality of the one in the menu where you're just like, this is jarring. And then everybody's Mm, in response to it. So I think you're right. And you talking about like the sound design of this movie. It's great. Yeah. I think deep in my gut, it's the chef clap. However, the conjuring clap is obviously has more of the jump scare to it, if you will. Yes, absolutely. Mm -hmm. It's a matter of like jump scare or not. I I would agree. I think like, especially because like, I hope that it's more likely that I encounter the scary menu clap than the conjuring clap because <laughs> something is really wrong. Woo. Truly. <laughs> I mean, at least you can get that, like, you know, get get your Ed and Lorraine Warren on with the conjuring, though. With the mm. menu, it's like, well, you're there and you are absolutely going to die. There is no chance of, of mm-hmm. living. I think I'd rather be in the conjuring. <laughs> <laughs> but that's my own opinion. Uh, great. So let's get into it. We're talking about the chef. And I don't think we've done this in a while, but I think we need to Billy or stew our chef. <laughs> so, Jamie, can we just start off there? Is, is he a Billy or a stew? What are your thoughts? Movies don't create psychos. Movies make psychos more creative. It's a scream, baby. Billy or stew. <laughs> Definitely a Billy because he has this whole darn thing planned out. There's mm-hmm. nothing, there's nothing off the cuff until like the very end. Um, but no, he this is this is all part of his master plan. Um, you know, even going to Margot's character constantly and being like, "Where do you stand?" Because like she doesn't fit into his plan. Mm-hmm. He has to figure out what to do with her. Um, but like, other than that, there are no loose ends. He has it all, you know, predetermined. Beautiful. So he is our, Mm -hmm. our good old, uh, psycho path, which is great that you mentioned American, uh, psycho Brian, because I mean, definitely so many similarities in that, um, train Mm -hmm. of thought, which is great. So I do want to talk and we kind of briefly, uh, mentioned this, but the dangers of, of mixing like a work life and and home life and i just want you to kind of just talk about how it can affect your question yeah you're see that's why i'd be pressing pause brian because i want to ask a question (laughs) (laughs) that's why nikisha is taking her notes i take it back this podcast is this is an elevated podcast because we pause and we take notes (laughs) (laughs) we're just trying our best we're just doing our best (laughs) hashtag trying our best uh But when I was watching this, it was making me think about all the sous chefs because they're all living together. And so I would love for you to just speak on how mixing your home and work life can affect your mental health. uh, And especially when we talk about the pandemic and what that has done with people working from home as opposed to uh, not having that separate, you know, life. And are there good effects or is it all bad? What are your thoughts? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I think that, like, generally, <laughs> I, I mean, I, I guess making generalizations is bad, but I'm going to do it in this circumstance because, you know, I'm 
I'm feeling bold. Yes. Uh, <laughs> it, like, you know, not having, if your entire identity is like writhing on your job, then, then it makes, then it, it does make sense. Like when you, when you look at like the sous chef earlier in the fourth course who commits suicide, that like his whole life has been about <clears throat> trying to get to the same level as, as his, um, as his like chef idol. Mm-hmm. And because he's not as good, then, you know, he has justified for himself that there is nothing else to live for. Like when you, when you're building everything upon one focus, in this case, your job and, and like, you know, if you're not meeting your own expectations or like you don't have other things to, to support you and help you and like, you know, replenish your energy and like invest time and, and, and skills into other things, like it can cause a lot of harm. Um, again, we see it with the sous chef, but I think also just, you know, what does it look like? I mean, look at the chef himself. Like, what does it look like when all of his being is just dedicated to serving other people. And then mm-hmm. on top of that, when the other people aren't <clears throat> appreciating the things that he's presenting, because so much is dependent on that role that like he's losing himself and, and like, you know, how did he get here? What's, what's the point of this? Like originally when he was flipping those burgers, there was more purpose and passion in that mm-hmm. because, you know, it was, he was connecting with people who were enjoying that dish. He, he felt like his, his purpose was being fulfilled and then continuing to like invest more energy into perfecting his skills and talents and becoming this like exclusive chef. He also lost like everything else. He's like literally living there and doing, I mean, it's on an Island, so that makes sense. But like, you know, what other space and energy is he putting into like anything else outside of this? It doesn't seem like anything. And while yes, it's this big, you know, elaborate, uh, investment and, and, um, you know, because everything, everything is fresh. They're all, everything is like, you know, accessible on this Island that he's created. It's still all about the restaurant. It's still Mm -hmm. all about like, his work. And it's not just like, Oh, I've, I've enjoyed learning how to like cure meats. Cause that's a fun side hobby I'm having. <laughs> I've learned how to like, you know, harvest, uh, oysters and mussels because like, that's a fun side thing. It's like, no, everything is all with the intention of like feeding into this one thing. And, and again, like if you're, if your expectations and your being are all your identity is all built on this one thing, like when things don't go the way that you're expecting them to go, or like you start to receive criticism, like it, you might be internalizing that. Mm -hmm. And like, you are then taking that to, to mean something about yourself, about your identity, about your character. And it can cause a lot of harm with like how you view yourself, your self-esteem, your self-confidence, um, like your person is now so uh, integrated with your with your work identity, like they are one in the same, um, and and it it's bad. <laughs> it's bad. No, and I think that's that's a really good point because I think during the pandemic we saw the shift in people realizing, especially uh, I will say, like in the musical theater industry, 
of we are not our jobs because they can be taken away from us so quickly. Mm, And so what is our Mm. identity outside of that? And you're kind of forced to figure out like, oh, well, what are my actual hobbies and other interests? Because I can't do this. And just because I can't Mm -hmm. do this doesn't mean that I'm useless. It's like I'm still Mm -hmm. a human being in this world operating. So how can I continue on, you know, figuring out myself and things without having the the set societal standard of oh because you're doing this that means you know you're this kind of person or you know and then just kind of like climbing that that ladder yeah absolutely I I think like you know creating a strong sense of self is more than just investing energy into your career and like professional growth what are Mm -hmm. the other things that like bring you joy? What are the things, who are the people that, that make you happy, that make you proud? Like, you know, what other accomplishments have you, have you hit? And like, whether your strengths outside of just your work, that those are, those are part of the things, whether your actual identities, like, are you, are you a parent? Are you a child? Um, or like, what are the other things that, that make you, you, um, and like, how can you put more energy into that? And I think like, you know, uh, you have folks who were unemployed during the pandemic Mm -hmm. who like what happens when you lose your, your work. And like, if you've, if you've over identified with that, like how do you rediscover yourself in a time where you're, you're not able to like access and put energy into your, like your profession. And like, what does that mean about you? And then on the flip side, what I've also seen is folks who, um, lost access to all of their other resources. And so they, they put more time and energy into their work, but then it's like, because there's no separation between like, there's no commute, there's no, you can just work, you know, whenever all the time, Mm -hmm. but how does that also become really unhealthy? Because you're, you're just like using all of your free time. Like maybe you would go out for happy hour with friends after work, or maybe you would go to like a workout class before work. Those things now are lost. And so people are like, I have nothing better to do. I might as well keep working. And Mm. that too becoming like really unhealthy at times because you're not, you're not trying to create other space for other things. Those things are lost. We might've lost them, like actually lost them because we don't have access to them anymore. So a lot of people have got, have had to get like super creative during the pandemic to figure out how can I still make time for, for things that make me feel good outside of just this, because I know I can do this whenever, but like is it actually helping me to, to do this all of the time? Or right. are there other things that I could be doing that like also allow me to like, you know, be the best version of me and like continue to, to, you know, thrive? Yeah, absolutely. No, that's great. I um, had other questions, but for time, I think what you answered was pretty much kind of the whole theme of, of the movie. So I thank you, Jamie, for that input. And I guess we should do Rotten Tomatoes next, Brian. Yeah, sure. Rotten Tomatoes. Let's 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 do Rotten Tomatoes. I got nothing. Great. Cool. <laughs> a, a good dish that that might come along with these Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah. Let's, what would you serve these Rotten Tomatoes with? A garbage bag. <laughs> <laughs> yes. It's the Rotten Tomatoes game. All right. <laughs> what it. do you think this has on Rotten Tomatoes? 
Uh, I mean, I've been hearing good reviews. I want to say, like, I'm going to say 90. Okay. Jamie, what do you think this has? Um, yeah, I'm, uh, <laughs> I'm going to go with 92. All right. This has an 88% on Rotten Tomatoes. That was my other guess. Oh, I'm so mad at myself. Um, while its social commentary relies on basic ingredients, the menu serves up black comedy with plenty of flavor. Yum. Um, Yum. And then the audience score, if you were interested, is a 76%, which is interesting. Oh, okay. Interesting. Um, and they say, the menu's got a great cast and plenty of fun moments, although the ending might strike some as a little tough to swallow. Mm-hmm. I, think, I think we did this, these two, like, justice, like, right in between. Yeah. Um, yeah. Totally. Um, yeah, and... and I was really interested in the themes of this, like elitism, restaurant culture, entitlement, like serving, being served, class, art, ego, the appeal of like, you know, exclusive elevated meals, celebrity and the idolization of celebrity and why we're so quick to forgive celebrities faster than we'll forgive ourselves. Um, Mm. So, Nikisha, I'm really glad that you asked those questions because my favorite theme or the one that I was attracted to the most was obsession versus love. And Mm. um, I thought that Jamie's answer really kind of dug into that. So thank you. Um, you. But on that note, let's do the four S's. Yes. So we have Skulls, Scares, Shakes, and Suggestions. These are how we rank the movies. Skulls is how it handled mental health, human behavior. Scare, uh, Skulls, Scares is how scary it was. Um, shakes is how, you know, how much is it going to stick with you? Is this a one and done thing? And then Suggestions, things that we would pair this with. Skulls, Scares, and Shakes is one through 10. Um, Jamie, let's start with all of your uh, rankings. Sure. So for Skulls, I gave it a five. Again, I know it's satire, but I just have a hard time wrapping my head around people not quite peopling. Um, but there were there were some moments that seemed like genuine and not, and I, I would say like authentic and realistic. Um, so kind of middle of the road. Um, for scares, I'm giving it a three not because there were particularly many jump scares, but just like that kind of low underlying feeling uncomfortable for most of this film was present the whole time. Um, Mm. So that bumps it up a few points. Um, And for shakes, I'm also going to give it a five. Um, I've still been thinking about this movie. I feel like there's been a lot more discourse um, on social media because it's streaming now. Um, So partially because I can't escape the conversations, but also because I am still thinking about it. It's still like simmering in my head. Um, And I, mm, um, still got it, baby. Uh, and yeah, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm definitely gonna keep, uh, processing my, my thoughts on this for a while. Sure. Nikisha? Skulls, I'm gonna give it a seven because of the themes in mental health and how it's been taken, you know, to the things have been taken to the extreme. Uh, scares, I also gave it a three, um, just because there were some good tension building and, you know, a finger was cut off. So yes. (laughs) scary and shakes i'm gonna give it a six because i really had a good time and i would absolutely watch this movie again and recommend it to other people yeah cool um i'm pretty similar Uh, i'll give it a six for skulls 
Um, I gave it a three for scares. And maybe I'll give it a four because that clap. Um, and then uh, for shakes, this is an eight for me. Uh, I loved this movie. Uh, not like a, I, I, I don't think it it ventures into nine or ten territory, but it's definitely an eight, or maybe a nine later dawn. I'll see how I like. Like maybe maybe at the end of this year, I'll see if it's still sticking with me. But I'll give it an eight. Um, I already said my suggestion of American Psycho. Um, Jamie, why don't you give some suggestions? Sure. So I have two categories of suggestions. The first one is for films I've actually seen. Um, I I like to pair Bobby's 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 with this. Um, oh, good one. A, a from a Gen Z millennial lens, but still addressing like still critiquing race and class, um, but obviously not in a yummy kitchen, um, but during a hurricane party. Um, and then movies that I have not seen, but I am under the impression that they also address critiques on race and class are The Hunt, which I think came out in Love 2020. Um, mm-hmm. right and then this is embarrassing that I still have not seen this film yet, but Parasite. Jamie! I know, I'm the worst. I'm the worst. I know. There's just so much stuff to watch. And then I just get truly paralyzed because I'm like, I have to watch all the things. And I just don't watch anything. Sure. And that's been perfectionism, procrastination, and paralyzed with Jamie. <laughs> all in one. <laughs> I, feel like, I feel like that's a f- that I've failed as a husband. <laughs> oh. Nah. Okay, um, Nagisha, you're up. Uh, super easy for um, you know, eliminating the one percent in classism in a way. The purge, mm, good one. With this, and then if you just want some more kind of social commentary, it's mostly on the capitalism side, but um, I think that's the satires match is mm. sorry to bother you. Oh, that's a good one. Oh, we've seen that one. We saw that one at movie theaters. (laughs) Oh, no way. I can't Mm. imagine watching it at movie theaters. I was watching it at home like, what is happening? Yeah. Um, But I feel like the the satire is on the same kind of level. So Mm -hmm. if you like the satire in the menu, watch Sorry to Bother You. Uh, I'm going to throw two more in there because I like your idea of like movies you haven't seen yet. Apparently Triangle of Sadness is about class that I haven't seen. Mm -hmm. Um, And here's one that I have seen that is the opposite of this movie. This is about a love of cooking and and I I think you should watch Ratatouille. I knew you were (laughs) it. If you oh want, God. if you oh, want a nicer so side of the restaurant industry, and you don't mind rats cooking your food, I think that <laughs> Ratatouille is a delightful film. Uh, one, that's my Ratatouille is my favorite Pixar movie um, by far, um, and so uh, yeah, Ratatouille. Anyway, back to you, Nikisha. <laughs> Friends. Well, that wraps up our episode of The Menu, guys. I hope that you enjoyed all of our different courses and you can <laughs> follow us. That just came off the top of my head. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, you can listen to us on, well, Brian says that, sorry. You can follow us on all the social medias, TikTok, Instagram, all the things at Talk Horror Pod. And Brian, where can they listen to us? You can listen to us wherever you listen to podcasts. So Stitcher, Spotify, of course, Apple Podcasts. Rate and review us there. Five stars, please. And thank you. Thank you. Yes, chef. Um, (laughs) 
Yeah. I think um, the, my favorite, favorite quote, and we haven't gone through this one yet is there are no substitutions at Hawthorne. Yes. Oh man. Nothing was worth worse being a waiter and having to go to the chef and be like, listen, I know you don't want substitutions, but this person really wants couscous instead of rice. Like I know we have couscous. Can we put the salmon under no over the rice? Like or the couscous or whatever. Oh, there's nothing. Right. There's part nothing of the worse. problem, man. There's nothing worse than going into the kitchen with that news. Absolutely, part of the problem. Absolutely. Oh, well, thank you guys. Thank Thanks you. for listening. Thank you. Bye. 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 Bye.